Thanks for joining us for this edition of Forward Church Online. Today's podcast was recently recorded at one of our live worship experiences. We hope you enjoy today's message. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. How many have ever felt like throwing in the towel? I'll get to the message, I know. How many have ever felt like you're at the finish line? Like, I can't do another thing. I have reached the end. I quit. Have you ever been there? Oh, good. We're in good company this morning, right? In a moment, the Lord's going to hand out a spiritual award to Joshua And it's not because he's my son, but rather because he came to the rescue. Are you ready to rescue? You know, I grew up in a church where we used to sing, rescue the perishing, care for the dying. That's our calling. Not to come in and just be comfortable, but we're coming in to be trained so that we can go out and rescue those who are lost without Jesus Christ. So the other day I'm um, swamped. I've come to the end of my senses. Are you there? Have you been there? You will get there. As Billy Donovan said many years ago, and I heard him say it when I was at one of his coaching clinics, everybody hits the wall. And he wasn't talking about athletes. Everybody hits the wall. And if you're here today and you know everything's just like you want it to be, hang in there, the wall's coming. You will hit the wall. Man, I didn't come here to hear that. Well, you did come to hear truth, didn't you? Because see, if I was to sit down and to figure out, now what would these people like to hear? And what would this section like to hear? And then I can't be a pleaser of men and please God. What I got to do is pray and fast and ask him every day, what is it on your heart for this house? Because I don't know the needs of your people. So I wait in the heavenlies. That's not weird. That's where you're seated in heavenly places, and I wait for him to give me signals and scriptures and then for the Spirit of God to begin teaching. By the way, again, he is the teacher, right? Yes, he is. So I came to the end of the line, and um, I'm I'm dealing with some things in computer um, uh, sense that was blowing my gaskets, like infographic. I'm okay with PowerPoint and a few other things, but don't put me out in deep water where I haven't been before especially if you haven't trained me to swim. Come on. This couldn't be an analogy of what's happening within the church. Pastors are not teaching the people the bread of life. If you're not taught the bread of life, it's hard for you to eat the bread of life and participate in the bread of life. Pastors are shepherds, and they are to watch over the people of God, not tell the people what to do, but watch over them because of the accountability that we have before the Lord. So then I find out that not only do I have to deal with this thing called infographic on computers, which should have happened years ago for me, now I've got to go to a place called Screenomatic, and I've got to be able to put this all together in a presentation, and nothing's working. Have you been there when nothing is working? You're crying out to God, Literally, and you're praying and you're going, God, please, is this a sign that I'm not to do this? 
We need more Winston Churchills, don't we? Never give up, never give up, never give up. I'm speaking to somebody either in this house or someone that will be listening on podcast and they are in a position and a place where they're ready to give up. I want to give you a word from the Lord this morning. Do not give up. Help is on the way. <laughs> Help is on the way. And listen, thanks, Solomon Gunner. Stay open because you don't know where help's coming from. We like to define how help's coming. We like to de- describe who that person will be that will be coming. It just means you are to be open to the process that someone is coming. Help is on its way. I'm saying to you this morning, somebody in this house, forget podcast. Somebody in this house needs to know help is on the way. Somebody needs to know help is on the way. So um, Joshua's kind of been close around my life a little bit since whatever. He showed up in 2000, and that was a question mark for me. Come on, church. How many of you got some question marks in there right now? See, you should be absorbing what's happening right now. Not tolerating, but absorbing. Huge difference. Tolerating, putting up with, and absorbing going, this is going somewhere, I need to get this, I need to grab hold of this. Questions, walls, help is on the way. And so I'm sitting at the table and I've been working on this, worked on it Friday night, didn't get anywhere, could have crashed a computer, but it doesn't belong to me. Come on, church. You've been there. So we're back at it, and Joshua hears me say something I seldom, if ever, say. And I said, I am done with this doctoral program. They can have it. I quit. Have you been there? You haven't yet? You will get there. Not over that particular program, but the situation in your life. When you go, I've done all that I can. I've put everything into it, and I've exhausted all of my resources. I'm done. When you get there, I want you to know help is on the way. And if you don't buy into that, you will be raising the dead. Holy Spirit, you are here. You will be raising the dead. Wait till you hear the message this morning. The enemy loves to see Christians quit, give in, throw in the towel. When we as adults do that, we set a precedence for it to happen in our children's and grandchildren's life. Are you hearing me this morning? I'm asking you to get a backbone on the inside and stand up to the issues in your life and in your world because help is on the way. Joshua is shocked by my statement. He comes around the corner. He said, let me see if I can take a look at this. You know, it's humiliating when kids know more than their parents. Let's go to the classroom. It can be difficult for us when students go, have you considered trying it this way? And we go, you know what we do. Or in organizations, sometimes we think we know exactly how it should go and someone comes in and goes, have you thought about this? So I want to process this real quick because I don't want to stay here long on this. By yesterday afternoon around 3.30, I'm out in the shed 
getting ready to... How many know that we get collect way too much stuff? We buy all this stuff, we use it, we store it, and then eventually we have to take it to the, yes, you know, and it costs us to get rid of our junk. It will cost you more to keep some of the junk that you've got in your life right now. Oh, the Holy Spirit is here. I'm inviting you this morning so that you do not raise the dead. Get rid of the junk in your life. Get it out. But you won't be able to do it on your own. You're going to need the Holy Spirit and sometimes he'll let you know that pride is in the way and he steps aside and opens up the door and somebody you weren't expecting shows up. I was just expecting you to help me. I wasn't looking for them. You know, pride is one of the great resurrections of the dead. Where are you this morning, church? You should be camping right now. You should be camping right now going, man, am I taking this in. Whoa, is this the word of the Lord coming out of the book of Romans in just a few moments. Whoa, my pride can actually begin raising dead things back to life in me. When Jesus talked about raising the dead, it wasn't what you're going to hear this morning. What you're going to hear this morning is what Paul wrote about in the book of Romans, how Christians have a tendency to go back and raise things that have been covered by the blood. But we do like the past, don't we? Oh, for the good old days. Oh, it's gotten quiet in here. <clears throat> Were they really that good? Then why did someone write this song? I'm pressing on the upward way, new heights I'm gaining every day. If you're in Christ Jesus, you're moving forward. You are advancing in the kingdom. You know who you are and you are going for the gold. Amen. Well, the bottom line, did you quit? Have you given up? If you've been around my life for a little while, you know that didn't happen. But I turned it over to someone who could make it happen. No, 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 let me help you out. We who work in the schools know that computers can be used to cheat quickly. This was not about cheating. This was about the product was done, but I couldn't get it submitted. So I was ready. You guys don't even know. You don't want to know where I was at that moment. But you've been there in your own world. And so Josh said, just here, let me have this. So I went ahead and went out and started working in the shed, loading up the truck so we could go pay money to get rid of junk. And I love the smiles and the giggles because you've done the same thing. But the Bible says that Jesus paid the ultimate price so that we could be junk free. I'm not talking about stuff in your shed. I'm talking about stuff in your trunk. I'm talking about stuff that's in here that needs to be gotten rid of. Am I raising the dead? So in just a few moments, I'm, I'm out there sweating and he's in the house with the air conditioner and I'm thinking, this is not right nor fair. But then I settled my thoughts and I said, but he's making this happen. Be quiet. I said some other things too. And just keep sweating and get this truck loaded. And the next moment, you would have thought, your team, which would be my, not my team, or our team had just won something big. Yes, the Cavaliers had just won the NBA. Out the back door comes Joshua, no shirt on, big, big dude, and he's running full blast. I'm going, Jesus, help him not to hit the pool. And he comes flying around the corner. He's got his arms up, about my size and a little bigger, and he's going, yes. Ugh. I said, you get it? You get it? 
He said, we got it. It's submitted. Give the, give the Lord praise in the house. Joshua, if you'll stand, please. Listen closely. Mother should take a note. One of your assignments in the journey of life is this. I didn't say the only one. I said one of your assignments in life is that you're going to come alongside individuals who are in need of help and you're going to keep them in the boat because they're not ready to get outside the boat. You're going to be a man who's going to be used by God to come alongside others to help them, to assist them so that they do not give up. With that, the Lord has given me an insight of who you are, even as a young teenager. And we're proud of what God's doing in your life. Amen? Give the Lord praise in this house. And you may be seated, Joshua. Well, we're almost there. By the way, um, Carl, I want you to know that this is a message that will not be finished this morning. One of the things that uh, Carl and many others that were with us out in the country, I would start a message and not finish it. And I'd come back and look at it the following Sunday and it might show up and maybe it didn't. I'm going to tell you, I'm not a freelancer like I just fly by the seat of my pants, but I even knelt down over there in the corner and said, Lord, if you want to scratch this message, scrub it. You can do it. Whatever you want this morning is what I want. Amen? So I'm going to start this this morning, and if he wants to bring me back here next Sunday and you're, you're still here wanting to get rid of the trash and the junk out of your life, we'll learn how not to raise the dead. Amen? I need all the ladies of the house to stand for a moment, please. Spirit of the Lord shows that there's been battle fatigue and you're battle, battle worn, but the hand of the Lord, the hand of the Lord rests upon you on each one of your lives. It doesn't matter where you are, what you've done, where you're going. It does not matter. The hand, I want you to capture this, the hand of the Lord rests upon my shoulder. That's what you should have. When you're seated this morning, you can take this to the bank. You may find references in God's word. The Spirit of the Lord brings to my attention that his hand is resting upon every one of the ladies in this house. The hand of the Lord is resting on your shoulder. There's been many of you that have been through some tough battles and there's battle fatigue, but the Lord God Almighty is going to rest his hand upon your shoulder and bring you through. Men, let's give God praise for good women. Well, it really should sound like this. All right. You may be seated, ladies. Wow. 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 All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer for a few moments. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the word. I thank you for the Holy Spirit. You're a marvelous teacher, by the way. I enjoy your presence, and I love fellowshipping with you throughout each and every day. I thank you for this message this morning. I thank you for what you gave to the Apostle Paul, and I thank you today that you're going to outline some things for us so that we will know we have no business resurrecting the dead. In Jesus' name, amen. I know what the theologians are thinking right now. 
Those of you that are seated here are those that will listen because you're going to say he just contradicted Jesus Christ. When you listen to the message, you will know that I'm not talking about how Jesus said that we ought to lay hands on the sick and how we ought to see people raised from the dead. I'm talking about Christians today who are resurrecting their past. And that's where we're going this morning. Many years ago, I took a trip with some uh, individuals down to a little country called Haiti. Never been there before. I'm willing to go back if the Lord so desires at any time. And we were told that on certain nights that we needed to be aware of things like zombies. I said, zombies? What's a zombie? I'm from Ohio, by the way, of Georgia, North Carolina, down in Florida. What is a zombie? And so they began to explain and they began to also share what they would look like if they came out. By the way, if you'll just do a little bit of research on the internet, not right now, please, you will know that one of the areas where zombies were created and came forth was in the Caribbean area and those small countries. If you did not know, there was a time in history when Haiti made a covenant with Satan, a blood covenant with Satan. I'm not going to talk about zombies that come out of the grave this morning. I'm talking about spiritual zombies that are showing up in the house of the Lord. They look good. They talk good. They dress well. They have everything the world has to offer. They were born in Christ, but they're living in the flesh. It's contradiction to the word of the Most High God. If you have your Bibles this morning in Romans chapter 6 and verse 2, it says, God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Leonard Ravenhill, a mighty man of God, years back said this. Boy, this really cleans things up for me. By the way, that's how I coached. When we got to halftime, we went in and we went back over the first half and we tried to make it so clear and so simple so that those guys could go back out and play to their best at a high level because it was made clear. Listen to this quote. There are only two kinds of people, those dead in sin and those who are dead to sin. Dr. A.W. Tozer said this, any doctrine that makes the world your friend is not your friend. And any doctrine that makes it easy for you to hobnob with the world and the world's ways to accept the world's values and do things the way the world does, it's not of God. It cannot possibly be. Another individual put it this way, and I almost changed the second word. Walking is a virtue, but tourism, which is a lot like terrorism, is a deadly sin. Let me say to you this this morning. If you think our nation is being overtaken with terrorists on the outside, there are spiritual terrorists in the body of Christ. It was Abraham Lincoln who said, to sin by silence when they should protest makes cowards of men. I'm here today to tell you that when I was much, much younger, I was guilty of resurrecting the dead things in my life and serving them again. But I don't do that anymore. Especially as I get closer to home. Especially after listening to Adrian Rogers' message five minutes after death. 
See, everybody in here, out there, around the globe, everyone is alive, eternally alive. Those that have died are alive. Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali, he is alive. His destination is between him and God, but he is alive. Here are the seven social sins that were pinned at the church at Westminster Abbey. We have the first half as a nation. We are lacking the second half. Wealth without work, pleasure without conscience, knowledge without character, commerce without morality, Science without humanity. I want to pause right there. I heard Pastor Adrian Rogers, who's now home with the Lord, he said this, in education, we're more concerned about the origin of man than the destiny of man. Oh, my. As an educator, listen, my certificate can be taken any time. I want kids to know that there is a creator and they were created in his likeness and there's a destiny. It's either heaven or hell. And that's the playing ground. Science without humanity, worship without sacrifice, politics without principle. Now let's go back over to the United States of America. We're wealthy, we're filled with pleasure, we have knowledge, we have commerce, we have science, we have worship, and we have politics. And we're low on the work area, our conscience doesn't trouble us, we're lacking in character, where is morality, humanity, who's making the sacrifice, and who's standing on the principles of the word of God? Am I raising the dead? If you have your Bibles this morning, I'm going to give you three of them. There's a total of seven. I'll stop at the third one this morning. Romans chapter 6, verse 6 and 7. Follow along if you will, please. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. I said to Joshua, because he's the last member still living in the house. I said, Joshua, when you start dating, I want you to date a young lady. And then eventually I want you to marry a young lady who believes in a two-sided cross. How many are enjoying the message this morning? If I was sitting there listening to this message, I would be so enthralled. I would be leaning forward. I would be taking notes. And I would be asking God to get rid of all of the zombies in my life because I've got to look more like him. I'm on my way home, not on the way out. What's the two-sided cross? See, the church loves the one-sided cross where Jesus died. But on the backside, that's where I die daily. And the only way that a marriage can make it is when you have a husband and a wife who believe in a two-sided cross. They know Jesus died for their sins and they're no longer a sinner, they're a saint, but they also know on the backside of that cross every day they have to crucify the old life. And I'm tired of watching people live the Christian life with the old life. I don't need zombies in my life. Here's the principle, principle number one out of Romans chapter six, resurrecting the old life makes me a slave again. When I resurrect the old Dennis that none of you know, if I was to resurrect any of those old habits 
and the way that I used to do life, I would become a slave. I would be a zombie to those behaviors. Well, the Spirit of the Lord is here. In Romans chapter 6, in verse 11, it says, In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Being alive to God means I'm dead to sin, which is my past. Here's the principle. This is number two. Resurrecting the old life means sin is alive in me once again. The church. Listen to me now. When I use the word church, if I want to make it specific, I will use forward. But when I'm speaking of the church, I'm speaking about the body of Christ. It is jam-packed with people who are fulfilling the old life. And they're thankful that Jesus died on the front side. They have no, they have no desire to be on the back side dying to self daily. I know one person that would enjoy this message, not that you're not, but the Apostle Paul would thoroughly appreciate the theological training that the Holy Spirit's been doing in my life because he wrote these books, the book of Romans, the book of Galatians, the book of Colossians. Dare I ever stand and speak to him in heaven knowing that I shrunk and that I took God's word and I made it in a compromising texture so that people would be around me. Forget it, ladies and gentlemen. God's word is eternal. It's settled forever in heaven and his word will not pass away. He's looking for a two-sided cross. His son died and now I'm dying daily to my old ways and my old patterns and the things I used to do. I am not a zombie, nor will I resurrect anything that once was been, once has been taken away from me. I have no desire for those things anymore. Glory. So the principle so far, resurrecting the old life makes me a slave again. Resurrecting the old life means sin is alive in me once again. And then the next verse. Come with me if you will, please. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Paul wrote this also. Let's pause for a moment about Paul. His original name was called Saul. He was a persecutor. He was a killer. He's the kind of man that would walk into a place like this and take out the pastor and any of the others. He persecuted the church. But when God met him and found him and knocked him off that horse in the book of Acts, it's recorded that God gave him a new name, no longer Saul, but Paul. And he changed his nature from, listen, from persecuting the church to being persecuted. Don't you like the truth? I've had a few shots, but I've never been run out of town yet. I've had a few shots, but I've never been put in prison yet for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I've had a few shots, but I've never been sent to Rome yet. I've had a few shots through 30-some, 40-some years of ministry, but I've never had my head decap. I've never, no, not yet. <laughs> what we call persecution is a far cry from what they experienced in the book of Acts. You know why? Because we have in many of our churches, we have spiritual zombies alive. It's a dangerous thing to claim the blood and then trample the blood with lifestyles that are displeasing to the Lord. That's in the book of Hebrews. As we move to the close, because I said I would just give you three. 
This is the one that was gut-wrenching to me. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. That's the two-sided cross. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I want to give you three thoughts and then the principle. Thought, the crucified, listen, I've heard, especially since I've kind of stepped over into the fullness of the scriptures and the baptism of the Holy Ghost, boy, have I heard a lot about faith. But listen to what the Holy Spirit gave to me. The crucified life is the life of faith. If you're not a crucified person, meaning you can put yourself on the back shelf and let others go before you, don't talk to me about faith. Because it takes faith to die. It takes faith to die to self. Because I know all about self. Do I know how to bring self up? But I'm done with the zombies. I'm done with resurrecting the things that should have been dead a long time ago. But if you're going to talk about faith, I want to watch you in the crucified lifestyle where you yield to your family, where you yield to the Holy Ghost and you only do what he asks you to do, no more, no less. That's faith. (laughs) The life of faith overcomes the flesh. The life of faith overcomes the flesh because our flesh is out of control. (laughs) And the crucified life loves and gives. And so for our two children that yet to be joined with some special person in the kingdom, not outside the kingdom, I already took that route. Don't be a double fool. Learn from your father's failure. How many are willing to say it like that? Now, I failed way, way back there as a 19, 20-year-old. Why would I want my children to go outside the kingdom to find something that looks like an hourglass, but when you find out that there's nothing inside the glass... Here we go. Last one. Resurrecting the old life exalts me over Christ. I'm going to go back over the principles. That was Galatians 2.20. Resurrecting the old Dennis means I'm exalting Dennis above Christ. Let's go back over the three principles. How many have been fed in the house this morning? I'm not asking if you feel good. I didn't feel good developing this message. I don't feel good looking at this message. I don't feel good preaching this message because I still know the self-life in me wants to come off that cross. Every cotton-picking day, my self-life wants to come off this cross and let people have it just a little bit. Come on, church. I, I, don't, I, I can't play the religious stuff. I can't do it. But my flesh desires to be resurrected. It cries and it craves and it calls to me. Did you get those words? It cries out, it craves, and it calls out to me. Let me in, let me in just this much, a little bit. Come on, come on, can I, come on. Can I come back? I'll show you some good times. I will not be a spiritual zombie. I will not resurrect the dead in my life because the blood has covered it. Here are the three. Resurrecting the old life makes me a slave again. Resurrecting the old life means sin is alive in me once again. And then the last one from Galatians 2.20, 
Resurrecting the old life exalts me over Christ. And did we not just hear several weeks ago that above the name of Jesus Christ, he has exalted the word. Do you see what man wants to do? Man wants to be elevated either equal to the word, putting Christ below, or eventually, uh uh-huh, I want to supersede, I want to supersede, and I want to be right here. Sounds like the devil to me. I close with this quote this morning. Any concept of grace that makes us feel more comfortable sinning is not biblical grace. Let me read that one more time. Any concept of grace that makes us feel more comfortable sinning is not biblical grace. Let me tell you how powerful grace is. We'll be out in just a moment. Even when I was running rampant as a young teenager and a young adult, God's grace wounded me. I remember one time I was in a nightclub in a place called Finley, Ohio. The, line, the, the, run, the, the quarterback from uh, Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, he is from Finley, Ohio. I was in a, a nightclub, basically a nightclub is a bar. Don't you love how we sanctify devilish terms? I'm not committing adultery, I'm having an affair. We sanctify devilish terms. And we shun the word sanctification in the body of Christ. My dad preached on sanctification a lot. And I hated it. But I paid for it. But that night when I walked into this nightclub, the bar, there in Finley, Ohio, God's grace disturbed me so much that I had to say to the partner that was with me and the couple that was also there, I said, I can't take any more of this. I've got to leave. And I started down 224 back to Tiffin, which is about a 20-mile walk or 20-mile run, if you want to put it that way, or a drive. And they finally got me somewhere around 12 miles still to go because I could. They, they said when they picked me up, we thought you'd turn around and come back or wait for us in the parking lot. That's what grace will do. Grace will disturb you. Grace will not permit you to continue to do what you do. By the way, that was the last time I was in a nightclub. So I know about God's grace. And whatever you're doing right now and you say, man, God's a God of love and God's a God of forgiveness and God's a God of grace. Yes, 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 he is. He's also a God of justice. He's also a God of judgment. He's also a, a God of consequences. Many of you do not read the Old Testament. The same God of the Old Testament is God in Christ Jesus in the New Testament. And I'm not talking about you going out throwing stones at any person anywhere. I am saying, are you? No, the Spirit of the Lord is asking us this morning, are we raising the dead? Are we bringing back into our lives things that we've put at the cross? This morning, there may be individuals here this morning that would say, hey, guess what, pastor? Hey, Dennis, guess what, man? There's some things in my life that are starting to show up. You really caught my attention when you said that there were certain hours of the day down in Haiti in the evenings when the zombies really would come out. And they were legit zombies. 
demonic powers in Haiti. Oh my goodness. I remember one night when uh, the men that were with me, we were lying there in the room in our bunks and, and all of a sudden we all began praying in the spirit because something was going on. But you really got my attention when you said, you know, there's times when they just show up. There are times when our flesh just shows up. There are times when the past just once, once again, give me a little room, baby. Just give me a little room. Just give me a couple moments. I want this to be a private time. No, this is not a show time. This is a very private time. Between you and your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And by the way, I have good news for you. We cannot conquer our zombies outside of Jesus Christ. Your past will resurface and you will bow to it. If you don't bow to the Lordship of Christ. So as I bow on my knees here, you may bow your heads there. I don't know what's been surfacing or trying to surface in your life. This isn't a time for anyone to be embarrassed where someone has to walk. No, no, no. This is a lot different. This is a time between you and the Lord. Please, don't, don't, don't run away from this moment. Take a moment and just say, Lord, where, where are some things trying to surface in my life? As you're pondering that, my dad used to sing as you're pondering and preparing to pray. My dad used to sing, nothing between my soul and the Savior. Yesterday, Robert and I were having a discussion and it didn't get out of hand or out of control, but I sensed that I was getting a little too much smack. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, everything will be fine on the computer if you'll take care of this. I didn't jet, but I walked quickly to the pool And I looked in and I said, no, I didn't say that. I said this. (laughs) Come on, church. I looked in and I said, Robin, I've come out here to apologize for my attitude. Come out here to apologize to you. Oh, come on, Dennis. Oh, listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. The zombie sleeps until you wake it. And when it wakes up, It wants more than just a little smack talk. So now in the quietness of this moment before we close our service, and I'm not trying to be heavy revy and make it heavy duty on you, but I know, I know that I know that I know that many are resurrecting the dead. And it is not in compliance with God's word. And there, are some, there may be just one thing that you would like to address with the Lord. That's how I do it. I, I, I can't handle, say, Lord, here's all of it because I, I know better. But here's, here's one area right here, Lord. I'm giving this to you here. I crucify this and I crucify it every day. And I believe, not only in the old rugged cross, but Father, I believe in the two-sided cross. Shall we pray? The Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of Forward Church Online. At Forward, we believe that God speaks to each one of us individually, directing our lives and giving us focus. It is our desire that you would experience Christ and pursue His purpose for your life. 
One of the easiest ways to draw close to God is by connecting with the local church. Get started today by visiting myforwardchurch.org to find out all the ways that you can give, serve, and grow.